All right. Well, we are going to we're going to take a little break from Matthew uh, this morning. Uh, since we're celebrating Father's Day today and we just celebrated Mother's Day not too long ago, I wanted to take the time to look at something I think that is important to all of us, and that's the idea of family and what it means to have a healthy home, what it means to have a Christian home. And I know that in this place, there's all sorts of different families represented. There's single-parent households, there's uh, blended families, there's those whose kids are already gone, there's those that don't yet have children in the home, there's those that are raising grandchildren. I think, though, that these are principles that apply to each and every situation that we find ourselves in. What it means to have the kind of home that in this world where the idea of family, the idea of home seems to be breaking down, seems to be one of dysfunction, seems to be something that's being downplayed and said, well, it's really not that important. This idea that for the Christian, this is an opportunity to be a light. This is an opportunity to have a home, to have a family, to have children, to have parents that look different than the world around us and that can speak truth, can speak love into the families that we come into contact with. When Catherine, who is now 17, when she was a little girl, I didn't know that. That pause wasn't because I didn't know how old she was. When she was a little girl, though, we sat down once to watch TV, and the show that she picked was Leave it to Beaver. And I remember watching this show, and it was dinner time. And here you have this perfect family. I mean, Dad's got a suit and tie on still, Mom's got a dress on. They're sitting at dinner and it's peaceful and it's yes ma'am and it's yes sir and dinner ended and the kids got up and cleared the table and did the dishes and then went off on their own to do their homework and put themselves to bed. And I remember thinking, whoa, that's not our house. That is so far outside of the realm of my experience as a parent that it was hard to even relate to as I watched it. My house, when all four kids were home, when William was just little, maybe about a year old, this is what dinner looked like at our house. For 15 minutes, Erin would not yell. She would implore all of us to come to the dinner table. Trying to get the kids there was a chore. A lot of times it was my fault. A lot of times I was the last one to get to the dinner table. And then by the time you finally sit down, the kids were responsible for setting the table. And so that meant that it was never the way it needed to be. And it was four or five trips back to the kitchen to get the things that the kids forgot to put on the table. And then by the time you finally all sit down, you finally pray for the meal, you finally have everything that you need. The food's a little cold. And William has already turned over whatever food he had on his tray and thrown it on the floor, and he's now banging whatever utensils he has against the tray. Uh, Katie would try to engage in adult conversation, even at that age, you know, sophisticated conversation. Ethan would try to engage in adult conversation, so we're trying to talk to our two older ones. Olivia, who, how do you say, craves attention? Is that, Liv likes attention. And so as we're trying to talk to our older kids and William continues to bang and throw things, Liv would just start singing at the top of her lungs because no one was paying attention to her. And if all of the attention didn't immediately swing to Olivia, usually her songs would begin as a three-year-old to go down the road to potty humor fairly quickly. And I won't even go into the bedtime routine 
All right, the kids would come into the kitchen, they would clear some things off the table, and then they would put their tables next to the sink, and then when I would call the older kids back in to scrape off their plates, they would look at me as though it was the first time they had ever heard that. Oh, you want us to do that too? There were no yes sirs and yes ma'ams, and there was no putting themselves to bed. It was chaos, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. Our home was not what you see on TV, or not, you don't see it anymore, what you used to see on TV with families like the Cleavers. I don't wear a jacket and tie to the dinner table. I know that's surprising to some of you. But our home is healthy. And our home is a Christian home. And our home is one where the principles of Jesus Christ, where the word of God are important to us. And those are things that we center our life around. Those are things that we teach to our children. Those are things that we spend time very intentionally as parents modeling to our children. There are certain actions and there are certain principles that you'll find in our home. Because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, because we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, because we believe that God created us for a purpose, and not just for us as adults. He created our kids for a purpose. He created our family for a purpose, and we take that very seriously. I want to look at some principles today for a healthy home, some principles for, for a Christian home. And I think as you look at different principles for what it means to have a healthy home, and there's a lot. We're only going to cover a few this morning. I think you have to start here. It starts with a sure foundation. It starts with a sure foundation. I remember years ago watching news from California, and there never seems to be good news that comes out of California. But I remember watching the news, and there were those that had built their homes up on these hills, and they had mudslides. And as soon as the weather got bad and as soon as the rain started coming, kind of like the last few days here, the foundation of that home was not built on anything solid. It wasn't built on anything sure. And it came crashing down the side of that hill. Scripture tells us that, that unless everything that we do, including our family, including our home life, is rooted and standing firm on the rock of Jesus Christ, unless that's the case, We've built it on a foundation that won't last. We've built it on a foundation that may last for a time, but will eventually come crashing down. And building on a sure foundation doesn't guarantee you a, a leave-it-to-beaver type idyllic life. But it does ensure that you and your family can weather any storm that comes your way. As a pastor, I've talked to so many families, I've done counseling with so many families where you hear the same thing over and over. If it wasn't for our faith, if it wasn't for our relationship with God, this marriage wouldn't have survived, this family wouldn't have survived, our relationship with our children wouldn't have survived. A healthy home is built on the rock. As Jesus was teaching during the Sermon on the Mount, which we looked at a month or so ago. As he's wrapping up, he tells this story in Matthew chapter 7. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Our homes are to be built on bedrock. 
And what does that look like? Jesus says right here, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it. And so at its core, for a Christian home to be built on bedrock, to be built on a sure foundation, at its core is hearing God's word and obeying. Hearing God's word and obeying. Building on a sure foundation is having the faith to believe that God's word is right. The faith to believe that God's word is true. And then it's ordering your lives around that truth. It's making God and his word, it's making God and his ways the center of your life as parents, your life as fathers, and making sure that you order everything in the life of your family around the principles of God. Our relationship with God is not to be one thing among many that go on in our lives. One relationship among many that happen in our lives. One thing that's a part of who we are as a family. It is to be the thing. It is to be the foundation and everything else built off that. Everything else is an extension of that. We need to be training our kids in the way of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. This was the sense that as an emperor would impress his seal upon something. Impress them. Mark your children with these things. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There are too many Christian homes where God is only talked about on Sundays or talked to before you eat your meals together. Building on a sure foundation is not simply going to church on Sunday. It's not simply taking your family to church, although that's something I think that is absolutely vital in a healthy home. But that's not it. Building on a sure foundation is about what happens in your family on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the week. Sunday should simply be the culmination of what's happening at home. But Jesus says here, building on the rock. Building on that sure foundation is listening and obeying. I think this is why we see so many families, even in the church, that are being shaken apart. That are in various states of disarray. I think it's because for so many families we built near the rock. Or we may visit the rock. Or we enjoy the rock and all that it has to offer. But we are not built on the foundation of God. And as an extension, neither are our families. We hear, but there's no obedience. There's no growth. And Jesus continued by saying this. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. As families, what are we building on? 
And men specifically, men as fathers, as the spiritual head of the home, as the leader of the home, what are you building on? What are you basing your life on? Because your family will follow. And Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. A healthy home begins at ground level. A healthy home begins begins with a foundation that is dug deep and tied to the person of Jesus Christ. Tied to our relationship with God the Father through Jesus and through his word. It's listening, it's hearing, and it's obeying. A healthy home is also a safe place. It's also a safe place. It's built on a sure foundation. It's a safe place. We don't play a lot of board games in our house, and that's my fault. Um, I have a bit of a competitive streak, and it seems to anger my entire family. Um, And I don't lose, and that seems to anger my entire family as well. You can ask Ethan later about uh, Parcheesi. Just ask him, and you'll see him. He He'll go into a corner, start sucking his thumb and rocking back and forth. It's, it's pretty funny. But a lot of the games you play, whatever it is that you're using is your piece. If you get that piece to home, you're safe. You can't go backwards anymore. No one can capture you anymore. You're safe. You watch a baseball game. The point of a baseball game is not to get to first or second or third. The point of a baseball game is to get to home. Because once you've gotten home, that's it. You're safe. You can no longer be called out. Homes are to be a safe place. They're to be a safe harbor. They're to be a shelter from the outside. They're to be a place where you can find love and you can find rest. One of the benefits of building on that sure foundation is that as parents go deeper, as parents grow, your families are going to benefit from that as as a natural byproduct of that growth. As you grow deeper, this is what Scripture says will happen with your family. Proverbs 14, 26. Reverence for God gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. Our homes are to be a safe place. When I was 12 years old, just before I turned 13, we moved to uh, inner city Syracuse, New York. We went from a incredibly not diverse suburb of Akron, Ohio, Copley, to a decidedly diverse uh, culture in inner city Syracuse. And and I was thrown into the uh, inner city Syracuse school system. It was a little bit of a shock to my system, to say the least. But I remember those first few days, I I hated school. I dreaded going to school. I didn't fit in. People made fun of me. Nobody liked me. Uh, I remember teachers asking me, how are things going? How are you doing? What do you think I answered my teachers? Great. It's, it's fine. I love it here. Life's awesome. Yeah. And I remember that first day of getting home. I remember my mom was sitting on the couch and I walked in and I sat down next to my mom. I may have sat on her lap. I don't know. As a 12 or 13 year old. It's hard to picture probably. But I sat down next to my mom and I started bawling and I let it all out. I hate this city. I hate this school. I hate the new church. I hate, why did we have to move? I miss all my old friends. Why did I tell my teachers it was fine there, but I was willing to be emotional? I was willing to be raw. I was willing to be real when I got home. Because my home was a safe place. 
My home was a place where I knew that I could show my emotions, I could tell the truth, I could let my guard down without fear of what other people thought. Home is to be safe. For our kids, it's to be safe. Uh, For our spouses and in that relationship as well. What does a safe home look like? I think the first thing that we have to address, and some people don't like this, and, and I think this is a huge issue today. But a safe home is a place with rules. A safe home is a place with structure. It's a place with boundaries. It's a place where as parents, we set our expectations for our children. We tell them what is okay and what is not okay to watch, what is okay and not okay to read. And for parents today, it's so much harder because of the internet and because of smartphones and because of all those other things that that my parents never had to deal with and never had to worry about. But a safe place has rules. It has expectations. It has things that you expect uh, of your children, things that you expect them to do, responsibilities. And it has consequences when those responsibilities are neglected. A safe place is a place that has clearly defined rules. And parents who aren't setting rules, and there's this big push just to let your kids be kids and let them be them and let them figure things out on their own. And I can tell you right now, parents that do not set rules for their children, parents that do not have expectations for their children, you are setting your children up to fail. You go all through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and you see that discipline, you see that structure, you see that having expectations are a biblical concept. They're a reflection of the heart of God. And I think, too, as parents, as we set rules, and I find myself doing this a lot because it's so much easier. You set a rule, your kids question that rule, and what do you say? Well, because I said so. Or, well, when you're the parent, you can make whatever rule you want. All right? I am guilty. That's lazy parenting. What a great opportunity to say to your kid, This is why we do it this way. This is what God's word has to say about this. This is why you can't go to that movie. Because of these things that don't line up with who we are as a family. That don't line up with us being Christ-like. And us keeping our minds pure. You have a great opportunity to explain to them why you're putting those parameters in place. Now, just because you explain to them doesn't mean that they're going to like them still. Kids are always going to push back when you set parameters, when you set rules. But again, I can tell you now, having two grown children, I can tell you that it is worth it completely. If you want to model God to them, if you want to model what a relationship with God is to them, it starts with your obedience to God's word. It starts with you being obedient to what God calls you to as a parent. And so a safe place is a place with rules. A safe place is also a place where you know you're loved, where you know you're loved. And this is so huge. A healthy home, a Christian home, models the same love that we see in Jesus Christ. Models the same unconditional love. As a youth pastor, there were many times where I would sit with teenagers and I would see the effects of either a real lack of love at home or a perceived 
lack of love at home. I, I would see what it would do in their lives. I would see what issues it caused, what behaviors it caused. And so many times when we got right down to it, when we got to the root of it, the kids simply didn't feel loved. I find the same thing as I do marriage counseling with couples. It's what it comes down to. It's, it's that feeling, again, whether real or perceived, that you're not being loved by your spouse. Or it's that feeling that you're only loved by either your parents or your spouse when you do certain things, when you line up the right way, when things are going well. It's that idea that it's based on conditions. If you do these things, I'll love you. And I'm sure in a lot of cases, love is unconditional, but somehow it can be communicated to the spouse or to the child as conditional or as contractual. Contractual love says if you fulfill your end of the bargain, I'll reward you with my love. And for the parent that shows this kind of love to their child, what you create is a performer. You create a child that will constantly do the things that he thinks or she thinks they have to do in order to earn the love of a parent. That performer will turn into a people pleaser. Someone that can lose their identity, someone that can lose their morality, lose their values in their attempt, their ongoing attempt to please others. Children who know they're loved, spouses that know they're loved no matter what, are healthier. If a child knows that their parents loves them no matter what, no matter what mistakes they make, no matter what missteps they make, they are so much more free to step out and take chances because they know that they'll be loved. They know that they'll be supported whether they fail or whether they succeed. A Christian home is to be a home where people are loved unconditionally. And again, where that's modeled between husband and wife, where that's extended to the children, where they're taught to love others in that same way. A Christian home is to be a safe place. Another habit of a healthy home is that it's a fun place. I don't think we can underestimate the importance of this. A Christian home is to be a fun place. It's to be a place that's filled with joy. It's to be a place that's filled with laughter. It's to be a place, <coughs> excuse me, where we enjoy being together, where we enjoy spending time together. Look, grown-ups, there are far too many of us that have forgotten how to have fun. There are far too many of us that we've let the stress and the pressure of our jobs, the stress and the pressure of our mortgages or this bill or that bill or all those different things, which are very real things, absolutely. But we've let those things rob us of our joy. We let those things rob us of our ability to simply have fun with our family, the people that God has blessed us with in our lives. Now, this doesn't mean that you know, as a dad, you have to dress up like a clown or have a stand-up act like James. But parents should make every effort to make your home a fun place to be. You've heard the phrase in, in Christian circles, the family that prays together stays together. And, and I agree with that. But I think it's just as important the family that plays together stays together. One of the saddest realities in our families today 
is that we have people in those families that dread going home. We have people in those families where home is not a fun place to be. And I believe this is so far from what God intended our families to be. It is healthy to laugh. It's healthy to have fun together. Proverbs 17, says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Too many of our homes are crushing the spirits of those that live in them instead of encouraging and fostering cheerful hearts. Some families need to loosen up. Some families are taking life too seriously. It's time to laugh together. When I was in my early 20s, uh, I was asked in our district, in the Northeastern District of the Alliance, to coach the, uh, the Bible quizzing team. And if you've never seen Bible quizzing or been a part of Bible quizzing, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool thing. I did it from, I think, sixth grade all the way up to my junior year. And it's actually pretty intense competition. All right, it's not Bible quizzing in that you write, you sit down with a quiz in front of you and you fill out stuff. You're sitting on these little jump seats where the first one that jumps gets to stand up and answer the question. And uh, for me, it was, the, it was the perfect combination of having to use my brain, but also being competitive, which I was a very, we've already covered that, very competitive person. And so they asked me to coach this team. And these were the top five quizzers in our area that were competing with about 50 other kids for the top five to go to nationals. And I'd been to nationals a few times at that point, so they thought somehow that qualified me to be a coach. And as we went through the morning, I watched the stress and the pressure build with these kids. And every spare second they had, they were off in a corner with their Bibles open, they were studying, they were trying to figure out what might possibly be asked in the next quiz. And this was, I believe it was on the book of Acts. So this is 27 chapters that you had to memorize and be ready to answer things on. That's a lot. And one of the kids actually broke down right before lunchtime and actually started sobbing up on the chairs. We're in the middle of this quiz. And I remember thinking, this is not worth it. Like, we're ruining these kids. And so I decided during our lunch break to change things up a little bit. And I made all the kids put their Bibles away. Now, don't go home and say, the pastor says, go put your Bibles away and do other things, all right? That's not, that's not the point of this story. They had, they had the whole thing memorized already, okay? When you memorize the entire book of Acts, then you can put your Bible down for a little bit, all right? I told them all to put their Bibles away, and we went outside, and we found a volleyball, and we played volleyball for an hour and a half. No thinking about the quizzes that were coming up. No talking about the quizzes that were coming up. We just had fun, and we laughed, and we enjoyed ourselves and it changed the entire dynamic of that team. That afternoon, they were joking about stuff. They were laughing about stuff. When they were up there during the quiz, they were having fun. Every once in a while, we need to take the focus off of performance or the focus off of that task list, the focus off of all those other things that are pressing on us, and we just need to enjoy being together. Because what happened is when we took the focus off of performance and we just had fun with each other for a little bit, it actually increased performance later that day. I think our kids today, even from a very young age, are under more stress and more pressure to perform than I can ever remember feeling as a kid. And as parents, our job, or as grandparents, our job, or his aunt, or his uncle, or his big sister, big brother, whatever that looks like, our job is to remember to have fun. 
It's to show them the right balance. To be intentional about having fun as a family. And to show them the joy that God created us to experience in life and within our families. I think as parents, there's a few things that we need to be doing to ensure that our home is a fun place. The first is we need to model it. The first is we need to model it. Now, spouses within the home, modeling having fun as a family means that you show your kids that you can have fun as spouses. You know that date night that you're always talking about but you haven't taken in nine years? Huh? Do that. Show your kids that you enjoy being together. Show your kids that you can have fun together. Model having fun. Be quick to laugh at yourself. If you do something stupid, be the first one to laugh at it. Show your kids it's okay to mess up. Show your kids it's okay to do something stupid on occasion. Model it. The second thing is we need to schedule it. And this may sound ridiculous. You mean we have to schedule having fun? Think about, for most families that have kids at home right now, think about your calendar. Think about your typical day, especially during the school year. You've got something every night of the week. Your kids have this sport. They have a band concert. They have this. They have that. They have that. You're running all over the place. And if you're not intentional, if you're not careful, months can go by. And you haven't done anything intentional together as a family to just have fun. Get it on your calendar. Find things to do when the, when the TV screen is off and when the Nintendo, see a Nintendo still, PlayStation, whatever, Xbox, when those things are shut off and those things are put away. Schedule whatever it looks like. Every family is going to be different. Uh, again, if we scheduled a board game night in our home, that would not be experiencing fun together as a family, but maybe it is for your family. Let your kids be involved. Let your kids plan things to do together as a family. But we need to be intentional. We need to schedule it. And then finally, remember it. Remember it. If you go throughout the Old Testament, you have God continually saying to the nation of Israel, remember this. Remember this. Talk about this. Tell your children about this. All the times where God showed up, and did something significant, where there was a significant work, God would say, remember that. And there was a simple reason why he did that. Because we naturally remember the bad stuff. They would naturally remember the times where they wanted God to do something and he didn't. And so God would continually say, look, don't lose heart, don't lose faith. Remember when I did this. Remember when I parted the seas. Remember when I delivered you. Remember when I did this miracle. Remember when I provided for you in this way. God said they were to be intentional about remembering the good. It's the same way if we're going to have families that have fun together. Look, there's nothing you can do to shield your kids from bad memories. There's going to be some bad memories. They're going to have some tough times. There's going to be stuff that happens, and they will remember those things. But as parents, whatever that looks like in your family, Talk about the vacation that you took two years ago. Talk about that one trip where one member of the family did something silly and everybody laughed. And you just remember it, whatever, whether it's pictures, whether it's home movies, whether it's scrapbooking, whatever that looks like, be intentional to remember and to remind your kids about the times you've had as a family. A healthy home has a sure foundation. It's a safe place. It's a fun place. And the last trait that I want to look at is this. A healthy home is a peaceful place. Now, let me make a distinction here. I remember a season of life 
when we lived in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, I can't even say it, Massachusetts, there we go, where I would come home from work about 5, 5.30, I would walk in the door, Catherine would need help with her homework, Ethan would want to go outside and shoot baskets, William wouldn't let me put him down, and Olivia just needed attention in any way possible that you could give to her. All right, our house was not peaceful in the sense that it wasn't chaotic. That, that was some of the most chaotic times, some of the most chaotic years that I can ever remember as a parent. I'm not talking about the absence of noise. I'm not even talking about the absence of chaos. I'm talking about peace when it comes to our relationships with one another. A healthy home is one where there is a spirit of peace in our relationships where peace is sought after, where peace is worked towards. This has everything to do with how we handle conflict within our home, how we handle conflict within our relationships, how as, as spouses we handle conflict together, how we handle conflict between our children, sibling to sibling, or conflict when it comes to parent to child. There's going to be conflict in our homes. It's inevitable. One of the first things that I do when I do premarital counseling with every couple is I teach them how to fight fair. Because it's ridiculous to think that they're never going to have an argument. It's ridiculous to think that they're never going to disagree on anything. You put however many people in our family, you put six people together that all somehow, even though the four kids come from the same DNA pool, are so incredibly different. Each have their own personality, each have their own things that they like, each have their own things that drive them crazy that all the other siblings know and have no problem doing just to drive them crazy. You are going to have conflict. And so a Christian home, a healthy home, knows how to identify, knows how to deal with conflict. Mishandled anger, fights within our families, can tear them apart can leave them with nothing left. This is one tool that Satan has used to destroy so many families because conflict has been allowed to get out of control. Conflict has been allowed to sour the love between husband and wife. Relationships with kids have been ruined because of stubbornness and the unwillingness to address issues that got out of control and created a rift that would never be crossed. Satan is using our anger and our inability that inability that many of us have not to process and control that anger to defeat God's purposes for our family. I think when it comes to a family, if you look at the principles that we see in Ephesians 4, verses 25 and 26, if we use these principles to deal with conflict in our homes, it'll go a long way towards maintaining peace within our relationships. The first thing is to admit your anger. Ephesians 4, 25 says, Each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to his neighbor for we are all members of one body the first step in handling conflict and this last part i know could be a 12-part series but we're just hitting it quick here the first step in handling conflict is to be honest about what you're feeling it's to admit when you're angry all of us have been here all right maybe your families are totally different than mine but i come home and i know my wife's upset about something and you know when your spouse is upset. You know when your kids are upset. You can tell. Honey, what's wrong? Nothing. When we won't admit 
where there's conflict, when we won't admit where there's anger, when we won't admit when we've been hurt over something has happened, when we're not willing to engage in conversation. That feeling doesn't just go away. And I've learned as a husband not to be an idiot. And when she says nothing, to go, oh, great, all right. You know, no, there's something. And we need to talk about it. We need to take the time to work it out. But it starts with, for us individually, it starts with admitting you're angry, admitting you've been hurt, admitting something is wrong. It starts with honesty. And then the second thing, and if we would, if we would apply this to our marriages, if we would apply this to our relationships with our kids, if we would apply this in our families, this would transform families. Admit something's wrong and then deal with the problem immediately. Don't let it grow. Don't let it fester. I've talked to so many families that when you try to get at the root of what it is that's going on, they can't even remember what it was that started everything. It's like the Hatfield and the McCoys. Nobody remembers what started it. They just know that they can't stand each other. It's reached the point of no return. Be willing to deal with it immediately. Verse 26 then says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, this gives us the sense that if you have an issue, if someone's done something to you within your family, if someone's hurt you in some way in your family, you need to be able to admit that you're angry. You need to be able to admit that you're upset. And then you need to be willing to take steps to deal with it. I think one of the, one of the things that we fall for, one of the lies that we fall for is if I'm upset, then you need to do all the work to fix it. You need to do all the work to come in and we'll deal with this only when you give me everything that I want because I'm upset. The Bible says, look, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You be willing to talk about it. You be willing to work through it. Don't let your anger build. Don't dwell on it. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Address what you're feeling. Address what the conflict is. Talk about it. Deal with it. Don't let that anger grow. Don't let the anger boil And be willing to say, I'm sorry. Be willing to say, I was wrong. A few years ago, my daughter had a friend over to the house. And I don't remember what I'd done. I'd done something stupid. There's so many times that they all blur together. But her friend was in a room with her, but I needed to deal with this immediately. And so I went into my daughter's room and I apologized to my daughter because I'd messed something up. I hadn't handled something well. And I'd gotten upset, I'd gotten angry, and I just botched it. And so I'd gone in and I'd apologized to my daughter, and I told her I loved her, and I gave her a hug, and I told her how sorry I was. And she told me later that her friend was absolutely blown away by that. Because her friend had never heard either of her parents ever apologize for anything. And I just remember thinking, that's, that's so sad. I mean, as parents, we're still people. And I don't know any of you that has never messed up as a parent who has never handled a a discipline issue with your kid wrongly, who has never uh, jumped to anger a little too quickly. We mess up. We do it. And if you want your kids to be the kind of kids that are going to grow up willing to forgive, willing to model love to other people, then you have to do it as a parent. You have to be willing to say, I'm sorry. You have to be willing to say, I was wrong. I can't tell you how many times I've gone in and had to lessen punishments with my kids because in my initial anger I've grounded them for 72 years 
And my wife has to tell me that's not appropriate. But be willing to go. Be willing to put the past behind you. Be willing to say, I'm sorry. And be willing to forgive. When someone in your family comes and genuinely asks forgiveness, genuinely says they're sorry, be willing to extend that forgiveness. Don't lord that over their head. Don't say, well, okay, but I'm going to make you be nice to me for the next six months to make up for this. No, be willing to forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgives you. Relationships are always more important than being right. These are some of the crucial traits of a healthy godly home and again there's there's a whole lot more that we could go through but this is a good start but in a world of dysfunction in a world where we see the erosion of home where we see the downplaying of the importance of the family unit is your home healthy is your home a light to a dark world? Is your home a picture not of perfection, but of the grace and the glory of God? Is your home built on a sure foundation? Is it a safe place? Is it a fun place? And is it a place where peace is sought after, where relationships are valued? I believe our homes are a reflection of our walk with God. I think there's going to be good days and all of us are going to have some bad days. But these are the traits that we need to be striving to have on a regular basis to make a consistent part of our home, of a healthy home, of a Christian home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the reality of your word. Lord, we thank you for passages in Matthew like we looked at that that just come right out and say things. We don't need uh, Bible degrees. We don't need uh, to do uh, extensive and exhaustive research. When your word says, listen to my word and obey it. Listen to what I say. Listen to my commands. Look, understand the way that I've ordered things. And then do that in your life. Follow those commands. Obey those commands. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that within the context of our homes. Whatever the home looks like, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, whatever season of life that we find ourselves in at home, I pray that you would help us to model these things. I pray that you would help us to model the heart of God. Things like grace, things like love, things like forgiveness mercy that those are things that would be seen on an everyday basis in our lives Lord I pray for those parents here that are modeling these things for their kids Lord I pray that you would help us to take this responsibility so seriously that we would be able to show our kids what a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ looks like that we'd be able to show them the things in this life that are important, the things in this life that are worth our time and that are worth our energy, that are worth our devotion, that are worth giving our very lives for. Lord, may we raise a generation of kids that is grounded in you, that has a heart for you, that loves you. Lord, help us to be better parents, better siblings, 
better grandparents, better aunts, better uncles, better family. Give us healthy homes in this place.